genre. This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome to Theme Park This, the only podcast that dares ask the question, can we turn that into a theme park? My name is Scott Corelli, and with me I have Kyle Crane. Hello. And Brian Green. Yo-ho, yo-ho. This is our maiden voyage, everybody, of uh, this new podcast endeavor that we find ourselves on. And today we we thought that um, before we get into the meat of the podcast in episode one, the the sort of normal thing that we're going to be doing every episode. We thought that we'd have an episode where you get to know your hosts um, and why we're doing this. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> and uh, why we like this theme park stuff so much. So I guess we should get started with our general concept of the show it was actually it started with uh brian and i we thought of it <laughs> together <laughs> like simultaneously like while recording another podcast yeah <laughs> but the the concept of the show is basically that we are going to take a subject you know whether it be some kind of pop culture topic or eventually i think we're going to get to some really obscure stuff the the concept in general is just sort of we're going to take a, a a thing, a subject, like, for example, you know, say Spider-Man, right? And we're going to say, <laughs> okay, we're going to turn Spider-Man as a concept into a theme park land. And we're going to talk about attractions and restaurants and e-ticket rides and all of that. And every episode will be a new subject that we're going to sort of try to turn into its own theme park. Some will be larger subjects. Some will be smaller subjects. Sometimes the, the subject may be so large that we'll do like a mini series on it. You know, like we've already talked about behind the scenes about eventually doing like a DC Comics theme park, obviously a, a large brand. Uh, and so that would become uh, an entire theme park and with, you know, themed lands within it. And that would probably be like a mini series instead of uh, just one off episode because that episode could probably potentially uh go like eight hours or something <laughs> so um probably not the best idea uh or we wouldn't get deep enough and and we definitely want to uh, dig deep on this stuff i would love to see the day where eventually you know we talk about what would a british bake-off uh, themed land look like <laughs> you know um or or something like that where uh you know we pick a concept that it has no business being a theme park but we're gonna we're gonna do our darndest soggy um, bottoms water ride <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's uh, it's of course none of us are actual Imagineers or involved in the theme park making business. So I think it's uh, you know, everybody who's listening just kind of take it that we're just guys with big imaginations and a handful of pills we bought from a kid behind the Rite Aid. You know, so it's just we're gonna let our imaginations run wild on this, and uh, I think it's uh, we can come up with some really fun stuff. Blue sky, if you will. Yeah. How did we first become theme park fans? Do you guys remember the first time that uh, you went to a theme park? 
Yeah, in in fact, before we started the show, and this is Kyle, by the way, uh, I shared a picture with you guys of myself at Walt Disney World in 1981, which of course mm-hmm. was right before Epcot opened, and that was a uh, trip that my dad had gotten through a work thing, and that was uh, some of my first memories ever are forged on that trip, like uh, riding the Haunted Mansion and seeing bats in the attic, or seeing the uh, RCA dog on display at Space Mountain, and for a long time, those things were just engraved in my memory, and I think they were very very important in forming like who the person that I am. Uh, likewise, further trips going into Epcot and things like that really kind of gave me this positive outlook for the future. So that my identity, I think, is kind of tied into uh, just the the Disney thing. Fast forward a few years later, um, it's it's just I, I think theme parks for me, and we're all like movie guys. You know, we're into movie and theater and stuff like that. Theme parks to me are kind of in a way the perfect uh, progression of the idea of like narrative. So you know, you've got plays or stories, you know, books that you read, things like that. Then you have film, and then theme parks are when they're done right and the theming is done very well. It's almost like you're stepping into one of those worlds. I mean, you know, something like Galaxy's Edge is probably you know just the next uh, progression and the evolution of that kind of thing. Uh, so for me, it was almost like when I was a little kid being able to step into fantasy land, then all of a sudden being inside of a Disney cartoon, being inside of Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or something like that. So that's probably where I first uh, kind of got my <laughs> my hand into the whole thing, and it, it, it was a really big impact on me. Around what year would you say that is when you were uh, first getting into it? Uh, 1981. So 81. a while back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I went to a theme park the first time in the early 90s. Mm. Um, Epcot was the first park that I went to. Mm. And this would have been like 1990 or possibly 89, 91, that area. And the thing about me was that I just believed it was all real. Um, and to the oh. point where, you know, Body Wars was a, a ride at the time. And right, my, my dad has told me this story so many times because he thinks it's hilarious, which was that we rode Body Wars and I did not understand that it was not real. Um, <laughs> and I flipped out and got out of my seat and was running around the pod, oh like oh, begging no. someone to let me out <laughs> um, because I just I, I was like freaking out. I just thought it was all real. I was just it, they got me hook, line, and sinker, <laughs> and and so like even to this day, you know, I go to a theme park and I just sort of, you know, let myself get absorbed into it, you know, sure. and I and I and I want to relive that sort of feeling. Maybe not the terror, but relive the feeling of sort of believing that it was real, you know, for sure. Because I think that that's half the fun of of going to a theme park. Yeah. Uh, So for me, uh, this is Brian, by the way, I think probably the first time I'd ever been to a theme park was, I think, 92. Uh, I was probably about five years old at the time. My sister and my parents went probably when I was two or three. And my sister insisted on bringing me back a figment stuffed animal. And I was in love with this figment plush, this character that I had no idea who he was, what he was about. And I, I carried this figment with me everywhere. And I think when I was about five, I think it's when we took my first trip to Orlando. Uh, we went to, we did all all three of the Disney parks at the time and also did Universal Studios. And yeah, just like you, Scott, I had this thing where I believed it was real. My strongest memories of that trip were being at Universal, having a migraine, and being at uh, Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review. 
Ooh, and so I was a kid who suffered from terrible migraines. We were in the front row, and I wow. I was miserable, just <laughs> feeling awful. And Beetlejuice gets up right up in my face and goes, <laughs> "What's the matter, kid?" And he learned very quickly I was not in the mood to be interacted with. <laughs> and I believe either that same day or maybe a, a different day on that same trip, we went on Back to the Future. And Back to the Future, I've gone on record, is my favorite movie of all time. It's why Scott and I know each other. It's why we're friends. And I went on that ride, and I was, just like with you in Body Wars, I was convinced it was real. I was terrified of going into this dinosaur's mouth, and, and it, it scared the hell out of me. So my parents wanted to go on it a second time. My sister and I were both not having it. We didn't want to go on it again. This was before they had like the, the, the child switch for rides. So they took us backstage, and we got to watch the control room. Oh my god. And I remember... This is the clearest memory of this trip, besides Beetlejuice getting up in my face when I was full-on migraine, was looking at a TV and seeing my parents riding this ride that I was so convinced was real. I was getting eaten by a dinosaur, I was going back in time, I was in lava, and seeing, oh, this isn't real. But I'm seeing all these things that are controlling this and making, giving me that impression, and it fascinated me. And I've loved it ever since. Uh, it's always been my thing. My dad has ingrained this in me. <laughs> he and I, that's the biggest thing we've ever bonded over is uh, going to Disney parks and going to theme parks and as a whole. And I love it. So it, what, what I'm taking from this, from talking to you guys about this right here, uh, is that I think there's kind of a fascination, too, with the mechanics behind the scenes that oh, yeah. make all of this stuff work. I think that's it's kind of a common thread that goes between what we all are discussing here. And uh, I heard someone describe one time that these parks are like giant clocks. And when they work well, you've got all these different cogs interacting with each other, and you can't see it because on the face you just see a clock ticking down the minutes. But when you pull it open, you realize that, oh my gosh, there's a vacuum system that goes through under everything to take the trash out. And there's somebody backstage like making sure that people clock in and out so that they don't you know, have OSHA problems and stuff like right. that. And it seems like uh, there's a, a real fascination with uh, the inner workings of, of that entire device. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that. I mean, it's the reason why I've watched so many uh, ride history, uh, you know, YouTube channels. And, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, you know, there's like three or four of them, and they all do basically the same thing. And I, I will watch a ride history video about the same ride from each channel just to, you know, see if I can get any more details about any mm-hmm. of For sure. And then the documentary series on uh, Disney+. Plus. Oh, it is uh, has so been good. Just it's just been unbelievable. It's 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 unbelievable uh, how how well done that documentary series is, and it's over now. And all I want is more. <laughs> um, you know, I I was like, no, you guys didn't go deep enough. I w- yeah. I don't just want six uh, full hour long episodes. I want an endless supply because I know the details are there, mm-hmm. and and uh, I just I want I want a documentary series especially uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> it's I, an unquenchable thirst. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely unquenchable. So uh, I think that that segues nicely into we want to talk about some of our favorite stuff from the theme parks to sort of get to know us better about things that we like. And the first thing I want to talk about are attractions. I I will say that you guys will quickly notice that um, 
It's a very uh, Disney heavy uh, <laughs> list of things, and um, I mean, you know, I think there's a reason for that, and 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 we'll we'll get to it and what what the difference between the parks are and and why. I think that we all tend to appreciate Disney's way of thinking more than um, the other parks. But we'll, we'll get there later because I, I do have a lot to say about especially Universal as we uh, go later on. But attractions, I think that we define that more as, um, you know, something that you passively watch. You know, you're not you're not actively a part of you you go to a place and you watch a show of some sort and i think that that's more in line of what um we're talking about what we're talking about an attraction specifically brian what would you say is your uh, favorite attraction uh so mine is phantasmic the end of the night show for me is my favorite part of a theme park day you're tired you've had this very stimulating day you, you have it in you for one more thing. So having that nice passive thing to watch is really nice to have. And so Fantasmic for me is my favorite theme park show. It's my favorite way to end a Disney trip, whether I'm at Disneyland or at Disney World. There is something that Fantasmic does that captures this magic, whether it's them manipulating me with uh, these songs that I grew up with or that perfect theme song that da, 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 da. it gives me chills and seeing mickey just overcome this this monster that's in his imagination it gets me every single time i this last time i was at disney world i was sitting there watching the show by myself i was by myself at disney world watching phantasmic and my watch goes off because i have a high heart rate notification while i'm sitting there doing nothing because <laughs> this this show digs right into my core and really moves me so much. If I'm in a bad mood, I, just, I pull up... There, there's an app called Disney Now. It's a streaming app that Disney still has it, even with in the Disney Plus era. You have to have a mm-hmm. cable service for it. They have a pro shot of Fantasmic on there. And so I, I mm-hmm. still have this that I pull up every like once a month just to watch Fantasmic because I live in the middle of the country and don't get out to the parks all that often, unfortunately. So if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm having a, just a rough day, I, I pull that up and I watch it, and it, just, it never ceases to make me happy, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it, it gives yeah. me that, that theme park glow, even when I'm not at a theme park. It's yeah, <laughs> it, it's my favorite. If we're, if we're judging attractions by kind of a, a show that you could watch, and I think Fantasmic's a, a great idea, that kind of like end of the day, you know, like kiss goodnight before you go home type thing. Um, and I do like Fantasmic a lot. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, mm-hmm. which is the show that Epcot put on in the World Showcase Lagoon area from 1999 to just last year. It was actually just... Uh, kind of shuttered, and it might be one of the biggest mistakes I think they've ever made. It could have been something they kept around forever. Um, Illuminations is probably the closest thing to an actual work of high art, I think, that they have in these kind of like lowbrow, and I don't mean that as an insult, um, uh, artwork that is the theme park experience. It, it actually, I think, it tries to achieve something that speaks to the human condition, and I don't think that they have been successful with anything else that comes close to art anywhere. I mean, and I say that with like these rides are created by artists. It's a company run by, you know, they they've really put the art 
at the forefront in everything. But Illuminations, it just it speaks to something else on a different level. It's um, it's got a three act structure. The first act is called chaos. The second is called order, and the third is called meaning. Uh, the amount of money that went into this thing is incredible. Every night they did it, it cost them twenty five thousand dollars. And wow. if you weren't able to experience <laughs> illuminations, it was a combination of like a fireworks show, a laser light show, and then it had this amazing score that went throughout the whole thing. And the story is just kind of this vague story about. Basically, our journey here on Earth, coming as cavemen, the the entire thing starts around this uh, fire in the middle of the lake. Of uh, it's this is giant lagoon, and if you're standing at any one of the um, pavilions for, like, say, Japan or United States or Mexico, you can get a, a, a pretty good view of what's going on here. And the idea is that we're all around a campfire. Everybody together is all around this campfire as cave people, and we're experiencing and we're watching uh, human progress through history. And about halfway through the show, they roll out this gigantic LED globe, which uh, I have heard just cost an insane amount of money, but I don't know exactly how much. And then slowly it starts to show pictures of Africa, the United States, the oceans, animals that live on the planet. And then by the end of the thing, it's opened up. Lasers are shooting out of it. A fluff, what they call the Inferno Barge is out in the middle <laughs> of the lake, shooting fire up everywhere. And it just ends in this massive fireworks show, just kind of like a celebration of like, hey, we've made it without destroying the Earth so far. You know, we'll see how that goes in a few years. But um, <laughs> I, I, I do I do think it, it had this uh, ambition of speaking to concepts like community and peace and uh, the uh, very delicate balance of, of nature and culture here on Earth. And I think they did a really good job because it, it wasn't often that at the end of it, the lights would come back up and everybody would start heading towards the exit of the park. And you could see some people kind of like, you know, rubbing tears from their eyes and stuff like that. And it's it's very moving score. If you didn't get the chance to experience it, I definitely, you know, check it out on YouTube if for nothing else to have the score going in the background while you're doing work or whatever. But um, Illuminations was absolutely my favorite. And... Uh, there was never a trip that I went that I f- felt complete unless I actually got to experience illumination. So if I ever went and I missed it, I felt like, nah, it just wasn't a complete trip. Right. So, um, yeah, that for me is my, my personal favorite attraction. Uh, Scott, what about you? Yeah, I, you know, I, it's funny because I don't love fireworks just in general. Like, I just have mm-hmm. a, a weird general distaste with fireworks. You know, I can enjoy them well enough. You know, like, I, I think that the, the fireworks at Disneyland are, are really great. And the videos that I've seen of Illuminations uh, looked really great. Uh, but I think that there there is only, like, I can only get so much excitement out of fireworks because I, I guess I just can't get over them just being explosions. <laughs> I don't know. Not <laughs> uh, wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, so for some reason, they've just never clicked with me. And then, and then, and with Fantasmic, you know, I think Fantasmic is is a really, really great show. But then there are beats with Fantasmic that always take me out of it while I'm watching it. Where like, uh, you know, a boat going by will take just a little too long <laughs> you know uh, it, it just kind of like throws the vibe of the whole that thing parts of the of caribbean life. section that takes way too long oh man it takes so <laughs> or long right through on the east coast uh, the pocahontas section that's still there for some reason <laughs> oh it's relevant sure yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah so so you know there there's a lot of moving parts with phantasmic that can go wrong or take too long or not long mm-hmm. enough and and it can kind of throw things off which Granted, is is part of what makes Fantasmic so great, right? Is that when it works well, then it's amazing because everything's firing on all cylinders and, and it just it feels great. 
But I think that for me, my my sort of comfort food attraction, the one that I always go back to and am always tempted despite having, you know, an annual pass that and I go probably once a month at least to the parks, if not more. Ugh, um, you make me sick. You know, I. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, you know, my, my sort of comfort food attraction is World of Color. I just, I, there's something about World of Color that just blows me away every time I see it. And mm-hmm. it's not like it changes. It's the same show. But, you know, I, you know just to compare uh, directly with um, Fantasmic, the, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean section in World of Color is incredible. Water shooting up and fire and and it's just it's nuts and the way that it's all timed is perfect and the the projections on the water the colors everything is just so perfectly timed not only just the 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 shooting up of the water but also the falling down of the water like everything is so perfectly timed and in sync that it blows my mind every time and I'm just completely sucked in. My favorite thing about uh, these attractions is, like, you don't want too many flaws, but you kind of want everything to have one flaw (laughs) that just sort of charms you, you know? Like, the thing where you're just like, oh, yeah, and then it does that thing that is ridiculous and shouldn't be there, but uh, if they ever change it, I'll write, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And for me, in World of Color... It's the Lion King section that ends with the, the death of Mufasa dad? and Simba poking his dead dad, going, Dad? And then it cuts to, like, a really upbeat song. And it's it's my favorite part of World of Color. It's so ridiculous. I can't believe of all the things from Lion King, that's what they put in, is the death of Mufasa. But they do, and it's amazing. And, and if they take it out, I'll never forget So, um, yeah, I saw World of Color for the first time this past summer. Uh, when we went to the parks together and yeah. I had, so I'd never seen this before and my wife and I are standing there and we just look at each other. And we go, why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why it's my favorite thing. Cause you're like, why, why would you, why would you do that? Whose decision was that? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I love it so much. Um, and just like the view of Pixar pier, which has, you know, uh, been greatly improved by, I, I, in my belief, that's been greatly improved by the refurbishment uh, and the transformation into Pixar Pier. And seeing, you know, Mickey's face on the, on the, the Ferris wheel and it just, and the way that the lighting on the pier is also synced to everything going on with the projections and the, the colored water. And it's just, Overall, I just it, it it leaves me with a with an odd effect, um, where mm. I don't mind that I'm getting soaked from all this water <laughs> spraying on me at nine thirty at night, nine thirty ten o'clock at night. It's just uh, it's it's great. I, I I really really love World of Color, and I don't hear it talked about a lot in the the same places that you hear things like the Disneyland fireworks or or uh, illuminations or Fantasmic. To me, it's it's right up there with all of them. I I love it to pieces. Yeah, and it it definitely lives up to its name too. I'm not exactly sure like how the projection technology they're using, but like. It's the full spectrum of every color you could imagine. Just like it's almost to the point it's an assault on your eyes, but it's so pleasing the whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's I love it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about something else that we're going to be talking a lot about um, on this show. And that is 
the concept of a, a themed restaurant. Well, you love a themed restaurant, you know, and and you don't want it. You don't want it to be too distracting where all you want to do is like look at the stuff while you're eating, you know, because you also want to enjoy the food and the food needs to be good. Right. I mean, I don't I don't know how many times any of you guys have been to a rainforest cafe, but yeah, the animatronics are cool, but the food is terrible. Um, and, are they cool? Really? I mean, they're, they're they are when you're a kid and then you grow sure, up and you're yeah. like, OK, less cool. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you I, I do love a themed re- restaurant, but I, I think the food needs to be at the same level as the theming. Um, and I think we've got we've got a couple, we've got a few uh, our favorite restaurants here, I think, are a pretty good list. Kyle, have you ever been to Tokyo Disney? No, unfortunately, I have not. Yeah, I haven't either. So Brian's the only one of us who's been to Tokyo Disney. So he's got a leg up on us over mm-hmm. there. So Brian, what is your favorite restaurant? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so greatest restaurant I've ever been to in a theme park is Magellan's at Tokyo Disney Sea. It is a top class restaurant. You go in, there is a giant globe in the center of the restaurant. Uh, all the tables are surrounding it. The entire restaurant is themed as this is the meeting place for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Uh, which is the group that ties all of the rides in Disney together, like Big Thunder Mountain and uh, Tower of Terror in Japan. All of these characters that are kind of like in the background of these rides are part of this group. So you go in and they have a plaque on the wall that talks about the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. It's this beautiful restaurant that's dedicated to exploration and adventure. And also they have delicious food and amazing cocktails. And it was just this beautiful experience. The service was just unbelievable. The service anywhere you go in Japan is going to be amazing. And you're topping that even more with that level of Disney it's perfect. If anyone out there listening, if you haven't been to Tokyo Disney, you need to get out there. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely dying to go, and I, I uh, this was one of the the the, the two sections on uh, Tokyo Disney in uh, the Imagineering documentary series on Disney Plus. I I just I wanted them to be entire episodes yeah. and not just segments, because <laughs> um, I I was like, no, you did not spend enough time on Tokyo Disney Sea, not even close. That was like fifteen minutes. Come on, watching, do a full hour on watching Disney that sea. documentary and hearing them talk about Tokyo Disney made my heart ache because I want to go back and I don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, wh- I thought the whole idea of doing theme park this was to be able to start a Patreon so we get the money to take a group trip out to Tokyo uh, Disney, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the oh, whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> that's the real secret. This, this whole thing's a scam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's a tax write-off, honey. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, um, man. <laughs> so this one was, man, this was a rough topic for me to, to nail down for one because... Yeah, you're a restaurant was, guy. I know this. I know this. Yeah, and, and I'm also a big um, cocktail guy. And right, right. I was kind of like, almost should, we should almost have one for favorite lounge because there are so many fantastic lounges across at least just Disney properties and Universal as well in mm-hmm. uh, Disney Springs and downtown Disney. I, mean, I could go on and on. that We could have an entire another column here. 
here, but we're trying, you know, we, we, we don't want to talk to people for five straight hours. So yeah, this was, this was really rough. When you were just introducing this, you mentioned theming at restaurants and I didn't even consider that. <laughs> I was thinking about everything and the one I came up with really doesn't have a whole lot of theming at all. It just has fantastic food. But I, I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, the three broomsticks over in uh, the Harry Potter sections oh, of the Universal yeah. Parks. Oh. Fantastic theming. Oh, I, I'm yeah. not too hot on the food, but the, you know the, the theming is fantastic. So their, their menu um, isn't large enough. I I, I yes. want it to be a larger menu, and and you know, and I'm I'm going to be talking about this when I get to my choice as well. But um, being sort of like 95 percent vegetarian. Um, it mm-hmm. makes it very difficult to eat at most of these restaurants because there's yeah, not yeah. – there's maybe one menu item and it's an afterthought. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like three broomsticks, as much as I want to I eat there, like I end up just going there for hot butter beer and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's – well, it's the best thing on the menu, you know. Yeah, um, sure. it, it just recently uh, I was over at Galaxy's Edge and I think that uh, some of just some of their walk-up counter service places are some of the best food I've ever had in, in any of the parks. But uh, so I think this is one that we – in the future, in a future episode, if we're looking for a topic, we could totally come back to this and spend an entire episode. But the one that I went with was actually not one that's in a park. It's in the Animal Kingdom Lodge and it is an Indian and African cuisine restaurant called Sanaa. Now, the Animal Kingdom Lodge has three fantastic restaurants. It's got Boma, which is an African food buffet type setup. It's got Jiko, which has a lot of like steaks and things like that, uh, which and a wide selection of African wines, which are amazing. And uh, Sanaa is kind of the one that people don't really think of a lot. Um, it's it's kind of like you, you've got a lot of breads and dipping sauces and curry and things like that, which really appeal to me and and what I prefer, which is kind of like spicy food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's not a whole lot to talk about with Sanaa as far as like theming goes, other than the fact that it does face an area of the Animal Kingdom Lodge where they have an open grazing field. So while you're eating, you can see like, um, I don't think it's water buffalo. I wish I could name all the animals. Okapi, I think maybe giraffes also uh, are out there. Golden Crown Cranes, I think, actually are in the trees and stuff so you can have this like really great indian food and then look out on their little version of the serengeti and see all these animals out there but it's it's one that's kind of hard to encapsulate why i chose it other than the fact that it really just nails my particular taste in food sure. uh, but sanad animal kingdom lounge is one uh, another one my, my wife and i will go to animal kingdom lodge every trip and eat at one of those three places and whenever it's my turn to choose i always pick sanad so uh if you ever find yourself over there it's a uh, fantastic indian and uh in African cuisine. I'm trying to remember. I've been to one of the restaurants. Actually, I think I've been to two of the restaurants at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, the one that I went to that I really remember, I, I had uh, beef short ribs. Do you know where, which one that one is? I believe that is Jico. Yes. Jico? Yeah. Jico. Yeah. Fantastic restaurant. I just went there uh, back in uh, November. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. I remember those short ribs and, oh, yeah. Haunting dreams about that. <laughs> You could say that about a lot of food at the Disney parks. Honestly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I so I I I actually I really struggled with this one because I grew up not having a lot of money. So every time that we went to the parks, you know, my my family was strictly sort of uh, middle class for sure. Um, and so you know, going to these parks was a big deal. Even though we were in Florida, going to the parks was a big deal, and eating at the parks. It was always sort of a game with my parents and grandparents where they were like, oh, they're not they're not getting our money. 
um, we're we're gonna bring our food, and they'd have like a big <laughs> bag of like sandwiches and all this stuff that we would have to eat. And so, like, I never really got to partake in any of that food because they thought it was a waste of money. It wasn't until I I really moved uh, out here to L.A. and became an annual pass holder at, at both of the the parks that are out here that uh, I started sort of partaking in the food. And like I said before, it's it's difficult for me because I am technically pescatarian but i don't eat fish a lot it's very special occasions that i will eat fish and mostly it's because i don't want to give up sushi uh because i i love it so much fair um yeah but but i don't i don't eat you know chicken or beef or anything like that and i I try to do like 95 percent plant-based stuff that is very difficult to do at the Disney parks. And, you know, when I get really excited to like, say like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go like, yeah, let's, let's eat at the, the, you know, the new Orleans cafe or Carthay circle or anything like that. I go and I look at their menu and it's like, Oh, I could have this appetizer or this salad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's upsetting. So I, I, I'm going to go with lamplight lounge because number one, I love it in there. I love mid-century modern um, as a as a style choice, and I love the way that this place is designed with um, the the idea of that it, it, it's meant to sort of look like a combination of like a '60s mid-century modern bar and also an animation studio, like an old-timey animation um, studio, and it just. It feels great. It's exactly in my aesthetic. I feel very comfortable there. And then they do have a great number of vegetarian options that I I really like a lot. Most importantly is the uh, ratatouille, uh, hmm. which they do sell there, and it is absolutely delicious. And uh, so I, I got to go with Lamplight Lounge. I mean, last time we went, you know, we... we pulled up uh my girlfriend bethany and i like we pulled up our the secret menu for the for the cocktails and so we got you know the uh the the neverland and and things like that the stuff that the off menu items and um everyone like when you when you order it they're really excited to make it for you and they're like they wait for the presentation because they're like like our waiter would come over and be like okay the drink's not done yet get out your cameras (laughs) 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 and so you get out your cameras and they finish it off and then there's lights and you know uh a sparkler or whatever is going to happen they're really happy to uh share the experience with you and we sat right on the edge of the lamplight lounge the lamplight lounge is right at the start of Pixar Pier and so it sort of faces the side of the uh the whole like lagoon area there that uh overlooks the uh Pixar Pier and so it's just a really nice view of the Ferris wheel and and a large area of uh California adventure and I just I really really like it I'm realizing now that I I'm I I just chose like two <laughs> two uh Things from uh, California Adventure, which is probably really one of the least popular parks uh, <laughs> amongst Disney fans, but I, I do like California Adventure a lot, and uh, it just—it's sort of my chill park. Like I yeah. find it difficult to sort of chill at Disneyland because mm-hmm. um, it has so many rides and there's so many things that you want to go do and look at that I'm—I feel like I'm always rushing over there, and then I go to California Adventure, and I'm just sort of like. <sighs> like it's like I feel like I'm on vacation at California Adventure, like because there's not a lot to do. You're not too worried about doing any of it. You're just sort of walking and absorbing the atmosphere, and it's yeah. it's really great. And um, 
Lamp Light Lounge. I just I really love eating there, and I think that it's uh, I think it's an underrated gem in the Disney parks. We got to go to that together next time. I am in town. Yes, definitely. <laughs> hey Brian, real quick, I just want to tell you I was wrong. The beef short ribs are actually at Sanaa, so you did go there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. We've talked enough about attractions and restaurants. <laughs> we should probably talk about what people actually want to listen to us talk about. Um, and that's the reason that you go to these parks in the first place, which is the rides. I think that we have a really interesting mix of rides. Brian, what is your favorite ride? For me... It's kind of a big question. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. It, this is the, the one I struggled with the most because same, I, same. I, I love rides. Like I wake up every morning and I'm just thinking, huh, if I were at... Disneyland right now, what would I want to go ride right now? And some days I'm like, oh, Peter Pan, or sometimes it's Pirates, or sometimes it's Haunted Mansion. I grew up as a kid, my dad and I were big on roller coasters, even though we did go to Disney World and Universal a lot for the theming. He and I, when I was in middle school and high school, we would go to thrill parks as well. We went to Cedar Point, we went to Busch Gardens, went to you know all the all the big major parks that are big roller coaster destinations. So there is a part of me that still does love a big thrill ride. So I was thinking, what's a good combination of that thrill ride and the great theming? For my money, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Florida is about a perfect attraction. It is a ride that you just you walk into. You get the atmosphere, you get the you know, the feeling of what's going on, you walk into that library, the lights go out, lightning goes on, and that TV turns on, you hear that theme, and immediately you are just right there in that zone. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> and you get on that elevator, and you're going up, and you see the, the ghost people, you go up further, and then the doors open up, and then that car just starts going forward. It is just such a cool surprise for what you think is just going to be a pretty straightforward drop ride. And all of a sudden that, that car is going forward and you're going into the Twilight Zone and you're hearing his narration and it's perfect. It is so, so perfect. I have so much fun riding that. Like when I'm on a thrill ride, I giggle like an idiot <laughs> and that's how I react to being scared is I laugh and I giggle and I have so much fun doing it. And honestly, if uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, if it had that part where it moved forward, if it had that little extra little oomph to it that the Florida one has, I probably would have picked Guardians because it is so much fun, because it is silly and makes people laugh. It brings them up to my level of giddiness, and that would be my favorite over Twilight Zone. You know, and I know this is probably sacrilege. I wouldn't mind if that got reskinned in Florida. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about, like, what a, what a possible... Uh patreon show would be it would be retheme this um which would be like uh, us taking a, a ride and sort of retheming it or, or a land and retheming it and uh that might that might come down the pike uh at some point in the future and that's definitely i think that would be our first episode was would be the twilight zone tower of terror because i think ultimately like I know a lot of people get upset, like the people got upset about the Guardians replacing Tower of Terror in the the vastly inferior Tower of Terror, the California <laughs> yeah, Adventure, yeah. which I think was ridiculous that people were upset about that. But they were. And I heard IP being thrown around a lot, like, oh, all they care about is IP. And I've got news for you, everybody. Twilight Zone is an IP. Like, yeah, like, exactly. They don't, they don't own Twilight Zone. They're paying fact, for that IP. They're, yeah, they're yeah. paying for that IP. At the very least, Guardians of the Galaxy is technically a Disney IP. So 
you know, it, it belongs in a Disney park. Twilight Zone weirdly doesn't actually fit in 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 the disney park i mean it's it's fine i i I like twilight zone tower of terror but for me like guardians is it's just a a crazy great ride and i i've told brian my pitch for how i'd want twilight zone tower of terror to be rethemed and uh his jaw dropped open when i told him and he was like oh no i want that right now (laughs) (laughs) it's true by the way i got it okay I'm not going to spend all my time talking about Tokyo Disney, I swear. Uh-huh. But in Tokyo Disney Sea, they have a Tower of Terror, but it is completely unique. It is its own story. It's it's in their New York Harbor area of Tokyo Disney Sea, mm-hmm. and it's an original story with a man named Harrison Hightower, and he is this. He's an adventurer. He's like Indiana Jones, but if we looked at Indiana Jones in a negative light, the writers are telling us this guy's a piece of crap and he's going and stealing artifacts and things and he should be looked poorly upon. But you're going into his hotel and they are, you know, putting him up on a pedestal. This is Harrison Hightower. And what's amazing about this is all the narration is in Japanese. They're talking to you in Japanese, but every time they say Harrison Hightower, they have this like this reverence to it and it is so much fun to hear them say that because i'm like okay i see what they're going with here they're telling you about this man and how much they love him and how great he is well in harrison hightower he puts out a cigar on a tiki idol and he gets cursed and he's sent down an elevator shaft because of it and it's a great ride it is so much fun it's nice that it has its own story because twilight zone is not relevant over there so it was nice to, to get on that ride and see something completely different yeah, that's that's cool. The idea of the Tower of Terror being an IP-less ride is fascinating to me. And that's yeah. I think that's that's the the thing that I'd be most excited about with Disney Sea is that there's like very little if any uh <laughs> IP at that park, right. which is just fascinating to me. So, yeah. I would I I would love to experience that. I'm I'm it's definitely at the top of the list of uh, parks I want to visit. In the future. Well, Brian, I, I want a yes and for a second, too, on, on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, because it is also one of my favorite rides. And I actually think that conception to execution, it might be the best ride. It's not what I picked, uh, but I, I almost for a second went with that one as well. It, you were talking about kind of the immersion factor uh, whenever you hear the, the Twilight Zone theme song, whenever they play the little thing on the TV that you, you know you go in the pre-show room. Um, for me, it even starts before that. When you get into the park and you see it as a weenie, you know, which was Walt's term for things that capture your eye in the distance or a, a <laughs> point to walk towards. Um, I feel like really once you start to get on the Hollywood Boulevard and start walking towards it, it is such a very slow storytelling method to get you into what's going on up there. You know, like the the stones become darker the closer you get to it. And then, you know, once you actually get in line for it, they start this this eerie thing that I'm assuming they got from The Shining where they play old music, but it's kind of muffled. Almost like you're listening to uh, somebody's memory of what's going on, and there's like misters and stuff, and it's just, man, that that is just such a simple but effective technique of setting the mood for what is just an amazing ride. So I can't wait to experience Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout because it, it sounds like everybody. I think that's like the highest rated ride across the board of any ride uh, by the unofficial guide to Disney World consistently. So clearly they could slap anything on that, and it would be great. But I am glad that they have another horror themed ride. Uh, that's not the haunted mansion too it's a little bit more serious than that so that's right. yeah that's really cool yeah um, I, I love i love twilight zone tower of terror but i think that the the difference for me 
personally, and the reason why I, I personally prefer Guardians, and Guardians was in the runner for my favorite ride. Um, I ultimately didn't choose it, mostly because Brian chose Twilight, so Tower of Terror. Um, and I didn't want to just talk about the same ride twice, because that's boring. And and any of the three that I had in my mind could have been my favorite ride. But the reason that I think I prefer Guardians is because there's something about the kind of ride that it is, the drop. It's sort of like it's building up that tension to you dropping and that was always the intention of the ride, right? Or when it was originally made, it was like it builds up the tension, it builds up the tension, you drop, the ride's over. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up going back and adding the additional drops and the, the randomization and all that stuff. Although that stuff doesn't really fit the buildup to it, you know? Because um, mm-hmm. like once you're like dropping and going up and down and stuff, it, it, it sort of takes away from the, the tension that it was building earlier. Yeah. Because um, it, it's very specifically built to a single drop, it feels like to me. Because that's how it was designed. It was Joe Rohde, right? Did he do Twilight uh, He Zone? was involved in it. I'm not, I'm not sure who, who championed in that one. Okay, yeah. I know Joe Rohde uh, championed the, the, uh, the Guardian's overlay. But... The Guardians ride is just – it's so fun. The raising and, and dropping and raising and dropping, it's part of the experience. It's part of the the story that you're in and it's it's part of the fun of it. And it, it just – it's so fun. And, and for whatever reason, Twilight Zone, just the single drop, it, it's not enough. And then when they added the other stuff, it took me out of it a little bit. Hmm. Um, and hmm. I, I think that's my only my only issue with it because Brian's right. I mean, when that cart goes forward, it's crazy. Like that's yeah. that's so cool. But then when when the main part of the ride is the drop, I for some reason the the single drop works, but is is unsatisfying. And then the all the drops doesn't really fit in with what everything that was built up to it. So that's hmm. that's that's the only reason why I prefer Guardians. I feel like I have to explain this because there's listeners who hate me now. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean it, it makes sense. It makes sense yeah. what you're saying. So uh, so Kyle, you you went with a classic. I did. Yeah, I went with uh, probably one of the more problematic rides in the entire theme park, um, <laughs> but one that I I really do love all the same. Uh, I went with Splash Mountain. Whenever I, I think about what these, these rides at any theme park that I go to, they have to hit really one of three things for me to be like, okay, I like that, you know, or that was worth my time, or that was worth the hour and a half I spent standing in line waiting to right. get in. Splash Mountain hits all three, and those yeah. would be theming. If your ride is not particularly uh, inventive, but it's very cool in its theming, I'm like, okay, great, that's fine. And I'll, hell, I'll take a nice cue as well, you know, or a nice line to get in. Music, if you have really put the time into the score of the thing, uh, I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Uh, and then, of course, is some feat of engineering that is innovative has to be involved as well, or a satisfying engineering to the thing. So that could be anything from like a cool new ride system, like I really like Gatekeeper at Cedar Point. Or maybe the Harry Potter uh, Forbidden Journey ride in Universal Studios. I think they did a great job there. When something hits all three of those, I am really like, okay, this is something special. And Splash Mountain does all three of those. Now, the music was written ahead of time, but I do think the score for Song of the South is fantastic. Zippity Doo Dah is a great song that just, you know, it's, you hear it all over the park 
to begin with mm-hmm. uh, in just instrumentals as you're going down Main Street or waiting to get in line for something. And uh, it's have a zippity doo da day. It's something that they still say in the park to this day. The theming of that ride is amazing. It is like you are in a cartoon. Uh, not just the animatronic characters that they have are you know one to one to Brer Bear Brer Fox and Brer Rabbit, but also the you know uh, kind of artifice of the trees that they have there. The big log that you get into looks like a giant cartoon log. But they also do something very subtle in the the queue to get into the ride. When you start in, it seems like this kind of um, like red dirt, like Arkansas type area, like the Ozarks or something that you're walking through. And the further you get into the line, it starts to take on some like cartoony qualities. Like you'll see the the wood that is building up everything looks to be like stretched and squashed like it was out of a cartoon. And then you get to the point where you're starting to see pictures on the wall of Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Bear. And they've very slowly pulled you into this cartoon world that you're going into. So I think the theming is fantastic there. And then the engineering of the way that the drops are in that ride uh, is really something special and very subtle as well. You guys may have noticed this. I'm sure some of the listeners out there have as well. When you're riding Splash Mountain, it's actually timed in sequence that when you're coming around certain curbs, you will see the people who are riding in front of you going down the big splash. Uh, and it's not just the first time you pull around the mountain. There might be little holes in the in the earth or the building of the structure mm-hmm. that you can see one of these log flumes going down. It starts to build up for you that, you know, even though you've seen this giant flume at the end when you're walking into the ride, that, you know, you still see it over and over again as you're going through the ride to build up to it. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, Splash Mountain has its issues, of course. Song of the South is a very problematic film, uh, probably even more to say it's a very offensive film that Disney's tried to hide for a long time and uh, it was a product of its time Um, but this was something I think a pretty good ride to come out of all of that as well but it's impossible to talk about the ride to separate it without the you know the history uh, that it came from so it's one that I have ridden a lot less the older I've gotten because I don't like walking around the theme park soaking wet afterwards. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago my wife and I went to Disneyland and the Disney World Splash Mountain uh, from my experience at least you get significantly less wet than you do in Disneyland so mm-hmm. it's um, I, I don't ride it quite as much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ride also beat the hell out of you that toboggan style that they have as opposed to the side by side in Disney World there's something about it that just really shakes your Kind of like the um, Matterhorn. But anyway, yeah. um, I still love the ride, even though I don't ride it every time I'm there. And I think that because it hits those three things that I judge every ride by, it hits them so well, uh, it has a real special place in my heart. Yeah, I mean, it's arguably Tony Baxter's greatest accomplishment mm-hmm. is this ride. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the fact that it's it's sort of like his, his <laughs> brilliant move was this ride, like... Uh, taking the uh, America Sings animatronics and combining it with Song of the South, uh, yeah. you know, and, and creating this log flume ride is nuts. And, you know, it's the best bang for your buck ride, you know. Like, yeah. It's it's a, like almost a 10-minute experience. Um, right, yeah. You know, it, it, it depending on how long you get stuck at any point. Um, on the ride, uh, it's it's a really long ride. I was surprised. I just looked for some reason. I didn't realize that Magic Kingdom had two more drops than Disneyland in it. Oh, I yeah, I guess it does. Maybe yeah, because it has one there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow, um, that's really uh, that's really something. But Dis- Disneyland, I think that the reason Disneyland gets you so much more soaked is because. Uh, there's one drop. I think it's the second drop. It's the one right before the final drop. The completely um, in the dark one. Yeah, oh, the yeah. completely in the dark one where it just it feels like the 
like there's people just pouring buckets of water in your lap. Um, and I don't know why that happens, but uh, it, it, it always does. When we went together, I was right in front. And yeah, I was pretty soaked yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's uh, it's great, man. I just I have such a good time and I always forget about the end. You do that final drop and then there's like three more minutes of the ride yes, left. There are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I have a friend. Always surprising. I have a friend talking about the runtime of this ride and how it so much bang for your buck. I have a friend who did the Disney College program. So she worked at Disney World and she loves Disney parks. She has never ridden Splash Mountain because, what? quote, it's too long. Nobody's got time for that. <laughs> what? And I'm like, huh? I, and I'm like, you are insane. She has this fondness for Journey into Your Imagination because that's the ride she worked. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I have a fondness for that just because I love figments. But I'm sorry. If you're writing Journey into Your Imagination, please don't tell me you don't have enough time to write Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. What a what a what an interesting opinion. She has. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so I so when I was thinking about my favorite ride, um I was really between 3. Superstar uh, Limbo. Yeah, right. Of yeah. Course. <laughs> um uh no, Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout which which I went ahead and and let go when Brian added uh, Tower of Terror because I knew I would get to t- talk about it. And the other two were Back to the Future of the Ride and Pirates of the Caribbean. I think ultimately I have to go with Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, I love the Back to the Future ride, but I also have issues with it that I can get into at a later date. But Pirates of the Caribbean, I just, for me, is the perfect dark ride. I mean, you know, it's you're in a boat, but I mean, that's basically what it is, is a dark ride. And you do have those couple of drops, which are really fun. Like the thing that I like about it is that they're not so intense that you wouldn't be afraid to bring a small child on the ride, you know, and it's like it's a nice sort of safety wheels drop ride for that i don't have kids i just like the idea of it um, <laughs> but, but you know this ride built in the 60s these animatronics are still fantastic and i don't love jack sparrow being added to it but i think that they did a fairly good job of of not making it distracting and at certain points too you know they've added jack sparrow to um improve on the uh uh, sexism in particular scenes, which is always nice. And, you know, I love Red the Pirate now. I think that mm-hmm. she's great. And I'm convinced that when they reboot Pirates of the Caribbean, the series will be about her. I'm That'd just, be great. I'm just convinced that she's going to be the new Jack Sparrow. I'm convinced. I want and then that. we can get rid of Jack Sparrow and it'll just be her and that'll be great. <laughs> uh, until they make the animatronic, the robot look like uh, Jessica Chastain or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> whoever ends up playing her in the movie. Oh, that's going to happen now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I just, I, I love this. Like, this is this is the can't miss ride every time that we go to the Disney parks. Our two, well, our three can't miss rides are um, Guardians and Soren. And this <laughs> again, two rides in California Adventure. I don't know what it is with me in California Adventure, <laughs> but I just I, I like that place's vibe. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. It, there's never a super long wait. I mean, the longest I think I've ever waited for Pirates is like maybe 25 minutes. Maybe it's it's never a super long wait because it's just definitely a people eater. And you know, it's it's such a nice 
chill environment, you know, and the only bad part about it is that you get the people who are just going on it to like cool off for a little while. And so yeah. they like talk through the whole thing. Oh. So you, you you won't get to like they're not even like talking at the ride or, you know, doing the, the haunted mansion thing where they talk along with it or whatever. They're not Ugh. even doing that. They're just talking. They're just using it as like an opportunity to have a private conversation amongst themselves. But w- whenever you get a good boat full of people and and you're going through and you're you're experiencing the story of these pirates, I just I love the way that it's laid out. You know, I mean, there's lots of legends as to what the story of the ride is. You know, and but I I really do like to believe that the guy playing banjo is a retired pirate and he's reminiscing on his time being a pirate, and you're sort of going through his story about the time that he raided and pillaged a village um (laughs) and just had a great time being a pirate uh and i don't like to think about um all of the horrible things the pirates did when they did that and instead they just they set the village on fire and they had a (laughs) sing-along got drunk and had a sing-along it's great sure that's what pirates do yeah 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 totally and i and i just i i love it you know I, i turning that corner into the the big open area with the giant ship before you get into the village proper it's just like an amazing sort of cinematic turn and it's just amazing what they were capable of doing back in the 60s and it still holds up today Mm -hmm. um i just think that that's uh, mind-blowing i do think that disneyland needs to work on the speed at which the uh the boats are taken back up to the top. That backup is awful. Oh, that backup is terrible. I mean, it you know, you'll be backed up like eight boats wide and people are slamming in behind you and it's just it's a nightmare. They need to fix that. I don't know what they need to do to fix that, but they need to get around to doing it cuz it's it it sucks. But I just I love everything about that ride and and even now like even when I know how things work, it still amazes me how well they work. My favorite moment i think in the ride is um it's a small moment but it's the moment where there's the guy that's like holding a, a i think like a pot of gold or something like that and there's like the octopus underneath him um mm-hmm. and and he's a skeleton on one side and then as you pass him he turns into a human pirate i yeah. just i love that effect and i know that it's just a mirror but it works so well it's just such a good little magic trick and Pirates is amazing, and I feel like you're either, much like most people are either an Elvis person or a Beatles person, I feel like you're either a Pirates person or a Haunted Mansion person, and I'm very much a Pirates person. I am both, baby. I <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I love both, don't get me wrong, but if you told me you're only allowed to ride one of these today... Okay, Haunted Mansion then for me. Uh, yeah, see, so you're a Haunted Mansion person. I'm a Pirates person. Gun to my head. Lie. Pirates every time. I think that's also kind of a coastal thing, too, because the Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland is so far superior to the one in Disney World that it's like, you know, our mansion, excuse me, okay, I'm saying our, I don't own the park, but I am more (laughs) of an East Coaster than I am a West Coaster, and I hate to get that feud going, but Mansion has one more scene over in Florida as opposed to the entire, like, extra five or six minutes that Pirates of the Caribbean has in uh, in Disneyland, so I could see why someone who, if you've gone to Pirates of the Caribbean more on the West Coast, that would be your your pick, because it's just a phenomenal ride that still uses all those tricks that they, the simple tricks that they had back in the 60s, and like you're saying, they just, it still blows my mind every time i see the wicked winch uh after coming out of of that drop you know on both coasts it's just an amazing cinematic experience that there's very few things in the park that top it honestly yeah pirates of the caribbean is definitely my pick which means now we have to talk about the big guns and uh, (laughs) talk about our favorite theme parks 
in general. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty obvious what Brian's going to pick. Tokyo Disney Sea, y'all. My wife and I went just this past summer, and walking into that park is just an experience. You're going in, there's a giant globe when you first enter. You walk past the globe and you go underneath the hotel that is inside of the park. And as you're walking underneath, you get the most stunning view of any theme park I've ever had. I hold the the view of Radiator Springs Racers when you're coming from the San Francisco area. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, that's, that's pretty great. It is nothing. Like, like that's like my second. That's a distant second to Tokyo Disney for me because you're walking underneath this hotel and all of a sudden as you're walking in, there's this giant bay in front of you that you couldn't see before and this huge volcano. And when I was there, the volcano was actually under construction. They were refurbishing it. So there was scaffolding all over it. It still took my breath away. And I, and I knew that was coming. I knew it was going to be under construction when I was going to be there. So I, I kind of braced myself for that. But it still just took my breath away because all of a sudden I had this huge panoramic view, nothing obscuring my sight lines. To my left is the Tower of Terror. Directly in front of me is this European coastline a volcano off to the right. You can see the uh, little mermaid, like indoor land that they have. And there is not a wasted sightline in this park. Anywhere you go, you can see the volcano and there's just a beautiful view for you. It's incredible. It is this beautiful, beautiful park. On top of that, everywhere you go, every corner you turn, you just get this haunting scent of this, delicious popcorn and they have uh they have honey they have soy sauce they have uh, the chocolate so many different flavors of this of the popcorn and it just puts the american parks to shame because every five minutes i'm like oh what's that what's that oh i need popcorn and it <laughs> it's that it's a sweet delicious buttery scent um the soy sauce if you haven't had soy sauce on popcorn you need to get on it because it's it's perfect. They have Journey to the Center of the Earth, which is uh, based on the same ride system of Radiator Springs Racers and Test Track. When you go in line, you get into an elevator, which they're telling you it's taking you down, but you're actually going up. And it's really immersive elevator, which is part of this experience for you. And you're going up, and it brings you higher up into the volcano. And... There's a giant, like, lava monster that you have an encounter with, and you go shooting out of the side of the volcano. Really thrilling attraction. Very exciting ride. The best of those style of rides, because the animatronics are so amazing. It's so exciting. Uh, They have uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is so much better than the the claustrophobic versions that we have here in America. These ones actually don't go underwater, but it's better for that. They have this bubbling effect in the mirror in the windows so that it simulates going underwater, but it makes the just the experience overall a whole lot better, a lot more fun. The little mermaid uh, the little mermaid area, it's all indoors. It's just beautiful, stunning. I cannot stress to you just how beautiful Tokyo Disney Sea is. I, I could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 dying, dying to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, and I'm just boiling over with jealousy that you've been there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got a, a gush for a minute. It has my 
favorite boat ride more than Pirates of the Caribbean. Sinbad's Storybook Voyage is what it's called. It is a completely original story, original ride. No other park has it. Uh, it's about Sinbad, and it's about him going off and having adventures and helping people out. And I think the greatest thing about this ride is it has an original Alan Menken song. Wow. And it's called Compass of Your Heart, and it made me sob. <laughs> I was just <laughs> in tears riding this ride because there's this song that just makes you feel nostalgic as if it's a song that you heard in your childhood and it's not. Mm. It just sounds like those songs that you heard in your childhood and because from wow. the same guy. And it is so beautiful. And he's got this little tiger buddy. His name's Chandu. And I rode around with Chandu in my backpack with his head poking out of my backpack the rest of the day. And <laughs> the, everyone has their favorite characters in Japan. And I just had all these Japanese teenage girls coming up to me and goes, ah, Chandu and saying Kawaii. And, you know, we, we didn't have much of a way to communicate, but we both had this love for this character that I just had riding around in my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a fun experience, and that is my greatest theme park day. I wish I had more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that sounds amazing. I mean, I I really I can't wait. Is the um oh what is it? It's like a it's it's I forget what it's called, but it's a haunted mansion take uh, that is about Mystic like, Manor. Yeah, Mystic Manor. That's it. Is that at Shanghai or it's that, Hong, Kong. Hong Kong? Oh, it's Hong and Kong. Phantom Manor yeah. is at at Shanghai, right? Uh, no, Phantom Manor's in uh, Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they they have a haunted man. They have just a regular haunted mansion at Tokyo Disney. Oh, okay. And right. the weird thing is, here's the weird thing about it. It's in Fantasyland. Oh, that is yeah. That you, is bizarre. I walked out of Haunted Mansion and I'm facing straight at the uh, Dumbo. <laughs> weird <laughs> which is the weirdest thing um yeah i, I i've always I, I was hoping that it was at uh tokyo disney sea because i do no. i want to ride that really badly uh mostly because i want to hear the uh, original danny elfman song um yeah yeah most, yeah the same the same as the uh uh the the song on the uh, sinbad ride um like you were talking about with the alan uh mm -hmm. alan Menken. Yeah. yeah um kyle yeah, I, 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 it's going to be very difficult to follow that up. Yeah, I haven't been uh, to Tokyo Disney Sea, but it, it sounds like from everybody I've ever talked to, my, my sister in law just went to Japan this last year, and she said the highlight of the trip was definitely Tokyo Disney Sea. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go through that plane ride to get over there at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I went with a park that's near and dear to my heart, and uh, it, that, that's that's Epcot. Um, I am a child of the '80s. I think my first trip in '81, Epcot was about to open, and I don't have any memory of this but my mother says that we went on a tour of them building epcot at the time uh and i guess at some point that or just the being inundated by figment the dragon <laughs> <laughs> at some point um epcot became kind of inseparable for the person that i am today uh, i find it's the original concept for epcot of course which was this positive future that if we can dream it we can do it uh if we work together we can achieve this goal uh, is something that is very near and dear to my heart and um i might be kind of uh, sappy but i really believe that i, I believe that 
the goal of us working together as a community to make this earth a better place for everyone. It's, it's, it's a dream that I hope we can achieve someday. And Epcot did, you know, kind of uh, have that theme going on. Of course, it was all, you know, um, here's uh, Exxon presenting to you the universe of energy or, you know, here's General Motors presenting to you World of Motion. So we got it kind of through a corporate lens. But at the same time, there was something about it that spoke to me that the future can be a positive thing, that it can be uh, a place where all of us can live together in harmony. And um, as I've grown older, you know, when I was a kid, I loved robots and space travel and dragons and things like that. So all of that was presented at Epcot. You know, Horizons was something that, you know, I, I remember being a little kid and thinking like, oh, my gosh, I could have a robot that would cut my hair and make dinner for me. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And now all I have is a, you know, a Roomba that can't figure out what sides of the room it's on at any point in time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it was the promise that was the important thing. You know, uh, it's the it's the idea that we have to keep trying to achieve. Um when I'm older, I start to love World Showcase more uh, into a point that that's where I spend the majority of my trips when I go to Disney World, walking around, <laughs> uh, drinking all the different drinks you can find everywhere, eating all the foods you can find in different kiosks. Uh, food and Wine Festival is a big time for my wife and I, as is Flower and Garden Festival. We try to make, if we can, two trips a year, one in the fall, one in the spring for those two different uh, celebrations. And um, is there a I single s- person over the age of 21 who doesn't who doesn't prefer World Showcase at this point? Very good point. <laughs> Very good point, Scott. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, when you start to drink, you realize like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. You know? so, um, even though there's like a, a, a lack of attractions or things to do back there other than shop while you're drunk, you know, which can be fun in its yeah. own right. Um, but the thing about Epcot to me is it's uh, like, Scott, you were talking about the um, chill factor that goes on with uh, California Adventure. Yeah. And I find that is is the same thing over in Epcot. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a park where they call Epcot the park for locals because a lot of people in, who work around Orlando, when they got off work, they'd go to Epcot in the evening and have dinner reservations or they just walk around you know, and, and have a drink or something like that. Sure. And there's this very kind of like peaceful feeling you have the whole time that is very chilled out. You know, you can, hey, you can ride a ride or you can just walk around with a drink, man. Whatever you want to do, it's all good. <laughs> and um, that is a very important on a very hectic, what could be a very hectic uh, vacation to Disney World to have that me time uh, to walk around and experience everything. So um, Epcot is uh, very important to me as a person, and it's very important to me on my vacations to Disney World. And every time I see Spaceship Earth, every time I walk underneath it, it I'm boggled. It still seems like something that dropped out 100 years of the future. Uh, and it's just sitting here in front of me. And even if you get in the ride, it looks a little dated and the system doesn't really work as well as it used to. But just seeing that giant sphere whenever I walk in, it, it strikes a um, uh, just kind of a feeling of hope inside of me that I, I really find inseparable from the park. So yeah. Uh, Epcot, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that makes perfect sense. And um, much like my choice for my favorite park, mm-hmm. I think Epcot is very similar in that it started off as one thing and it is now becoming something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, whether that's uh, good or bad, I'm sure it's good for business. Sure, it's good for business, um, which ultimately these are a business, and and I think that we all understand sure. that. But also, there's that part of you that kind of never wants it to change. And for me, the park that I never wanted to change, but is now nothing like it was, <laughs> um, is uh, Universal Studios Florida. Uh, my my favorite park is Universal Studios Florida, specifically circa 1992. Basically, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe the first ride 
at Universal Studios Florida that replaced something else was Twister. And so <laughs> I think it's I think it's my so my my favorite version of this park is pre Twister. So hmm. the the version of Universal Studios Florida that opened after Back to the Future opened but before Twister. That like sort of 3-year period is my favorite theme park of all time. And yeah. to me it is it is just uh, the thing that I love about that. I mean Kyle you you introduced us earlier by saying that we are uh movie guys and Universal Studios Florida is the theme park. Like, I, you know, people like to make fun of what it was when it first started, which was sort of that edutainment thing where it was telling you how movies were made. And people now, like, you couldn't do this now because now no one cares how movies made or everyone already knows because of DVD extras and Blu-ray extras and behind-the-scenes things and stuff. And that's stuff that wasn't readily available in the early 90s. And... So going here and learning how my favorite movies were made blew my child brain <laughs> and I never recovered. Like to me, that's why I love Universal Studios Florida is why I love backlots so much in movies where other people will call them distracting or cheap looking. <laughs> I, I look at them and I just say, no, that's what movies look like. I love them. <laughs> I, that's what movies look like. Like that, that's a movie to me. And, it, and you can say like, oh, you know, I prefer the Dark Knight because the Dark Knight, they shot it in <laughs> Chicago. And so it looks more real. But for me, it's like, no, I love Batman Begins because they built a set because Gotham isn't Chicago. It's a fake city that you have to create with your hands, you know? And I get all of that comes from me going to Universal Studios Florida for the first time in 1992. I, it just, you know, the Back to the Future ride and the, the confrontation and oh. Earthquake the ride and, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the Ghostbusters show and the uh, uh, the Hanna-Barbera ride, learning about animation, the Alfred Hitchcock attraction, which was very close to being my favorite attraction. It was like it, I was I was waffling between World of Color and Alfred Hitchcock presents. Wow! Uh, because I I loved learning about like how Psycho was made and mm -hmm. how you know uh, the the Vertigo shot was made and all of that stuff. Like all of the this this information was being absorbed into my you know seven-year-old brain and <laughs> i just i never recovered like that it's the reason why i love movies it's the reason why i love special features it's the reason why i listen to director commentaries it all i can pinpoint it all to my first visit of universal studios florida where i fell in love with movies hmm. wow um and so the, the that park specifically in that three-year period means everything to me um and it's and it's absolutely the thing that made me a theme park fan because if a theme park could have that much of an effect on me like it just opened up my entire imagination and it was the universal studios florida that did that for me and so this this park is just uh in my mind i remember it just being the greatest thing that i'd ever done with my life uh, <laughs> at that point you know and, uh, you know, and, and I've been there several times since. And, you know, they added Twister. They added two, T2 3D. And then they added Men in Black. And then they replaced uh, Confrontation with the Mummy Returns or Mummy's Revenge, um, and which is also a really great roller coaster. Probably Love my it. favorite roller coaster of all time. Um, but, you know, since then, they've started upgrading other things or changing other things for not for the better. 
Um, Jimmy and, Fallon. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Fallon, Fast and the Furious Supercharged. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's – oh, and I, I, I forgot about E.T., which was almost one of my favorite rides as well on my it's list. so good. Um, yeah, e- the E.T. ride is amazing. It's um, wild. So like all, all of those all of those early rides, the Jaws ride, you know, all of that stuff just – you know, I didn't see Jaws until I was in college – because I just always assume, like, ah, I don't. That's that's not for me. Like, oh, oh, oh killer shark movie. I don't care, um, you know. And <laughs> and then and then I watched it in college and it blew my mind. But like, you know, I all that I had the memory of it was like shark po- the the shark popping out of the water in the ride. You know, like that's that's all I was thinking about when I was thinking about Jaws. I was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, I know Jaws. Um, I I rode the ride. I know. I've experienced <laughs> Jaws. Um, but you know, I just the, the, that that park is just. Um, in my mind, it was just it's it's probably the greatest experience that I've ever had at a theme park, and I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get that feeling back. I'm, I'm gonna chase it my entire life, but it's never gonna happen because I'm never gonna be a seven year old experiencing that for the first time. Um, right. And so so to me, like nothing is ever gonna touch that park at that time uh, yeah. for me. I have such a strong nostalgia for both this era Universal Studios and for MGM Studios. Oh, yeah. I mean, MGM is there as well, but MGM I don't have as fond feelings of mm-hmm. because I remember running out of things to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very quickly. Uh, yeah. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, the backlot tour and the stunt show and the great movie done. ride. And <laughs> is that it? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all there's here. Um, I'm sorry. You sh- great movie ride is perfect. Oh no, it, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. But that's that's a that's that's you know 15 minutes and it then and then you're that's it. You know, so it's like there were like three attractions at the time. I think I think when I went was Muppet. I think Muppet 3D was open too when I went hmm. to MGM. I went to MGM shortly after it opened. Um, uh-huh. I know that. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, MGM and 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 Universal Studios like had a big part of. Uh, of uh, my development as uh, you know, wanting to work in movies. You and I were very similar children. <laughs> we were. We've <laughs> talked about this many times that we would have been lifelong best friends had we met each other at a different For time sure. in our lives. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So I think that's. I think that's it. I mean, you know, I'm the only one that took a left turn and gave you guys some Universal content. But <laughs> I think that what Universal has become. Uh, since that, I mean, I had grown up always hearing about Universal Studios Hollywood, and then I actually went, and um, wow, that is that park needs some TLC. Um, yeah. it's 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 a it's a rough ride that park. Uh, just just everything, just making your way through the park is uh is rough, and um, you know, just the the bleeding. Uh, edges of each themed land, you know, like hearing "Do the Bartman" while you're in Hogwarts is. Oh God! Yeah, oh my God. I mean it's it's so it's so frustrating. Oh, um, it's really frustrating. And you're talking yeah. to the biggest Simpsons fan of all time, and yeah. that makes me so mad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's uh, Universal Studios uh, in general. I think they. I mean, you know, there's hope on the horizon. And uh, we're going to be talking about that, um, I think, in a few episodes. But um, I, I do think that Universal, uh, I don't know, I think they need, I don't know if they need a regime change or what, but their their priorities are out of whack. And I think they're trying to think of themselves as the adult park. Mm-hmm. And I think that's missing the point. Because um, I think, 
or the edgy park. I don't know. I don't know what it is they're, they're doing, but they've lost all of their magic, I think, in the process. And um, I, I really hope that they get it back soon because, uh, uh, you know, I, I just remember the feeling that I had going to Universal Studios Florida. And um, I, just, I just don't get anywhere close to that anymore. So mm. I would love to get that feeling back in some way. Um, but I think that they need to, uh, you know, set their priorities, train their, their, uh, cast members better. Um, you know, maybe not <laughs> hire less teens, less teenagers. Um, I don't know, but, uh, I, uh, I do think, uh, universal needs some TLC. And I think that's why we're so Disney heavy right now. Cause I mean, I'm, I, I think we're all fully ready to admit when, when universal beats Disney on something. I mean, Oh, sure. uh, when when Hogwarts opened, I think everybody was like, "Wow, good yeah. good on you, Universal." It set the bar. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and then back in the day when uh, the Spider Man ride opened, everyone was like, "Wow, good on you, Universal." But I just feel like their their wins are very few and far between. I just I hope they uh, get their act together soon, and uh, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about that in a future episode um, that we have planned. Uh, but yeah, speaking of the future, do we, do we want to like talk about, do we want to mention what we're going to be working on in the future? Do we want to keep those a surprise, um, before the episode drops? What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I, I'm curious if, if we, you know, kind of to measure what the, the people who listen to these podcasts, you know, maybe they'll have an idea, Hey, you should do something on this. And should we tip our hat and say, well, we've already got a full episode already recorded on that topic you just mentioned or yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with a little tease. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think so. The way that this is going to work in the future is that we're we're going to sort of um, each pick something. But these first few episodes, we just sort of want you guys to get to know us and things. So we we sort of um, collectively chose some topics that um, we think are, are going to be good. And I think our next episode is going to be particularly exciting because we we barely mentioned it. Um, in this episode, but uh, you know, we've got Galaxy Edge is uh, Galaxy's Edge is now going to be sort of fully open, or or by the time you guys are hearing this, they are both fully open um, with their their e tickets ready to go. And so, I think our our first uh, full blown discussion is going to be us proposing what a Star Wars second gate could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that could go a lot of different directions, and I'm really excited to see uh, where that comes. And then on the other side of that, um, I think we're going to be talking about what our ideal version of Universal's epic universe um, could be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really excited about that one as well. Oh, yeah. So um, lots, of, lots of stuff to look forward to. I think we'll just tease you with those two off the, off the bat. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in a, in a couple of weeks with um, our, our first proper episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, if you are on Twitter and things, we're going to have Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Closing thoughts, guys? Uh, This has been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun here for an hour and a half talking about theme parks with you guys. And uh, I'm wondering if we're ever actually going to get to any topic on any of these shows, because I seriously could have talked about Lamplight Lounge for another hour if we wanted to, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah. focus. That'll be the, that'll be the thing in my mind next time. I'm like, okay, Kyle, there's a topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if we ever get around to starting a Patreon for this, um, you know, the the retheme this podcast that will be exclusive to our Patreon. In theory, I guess that's that's our concept. Is that uh, you know that'll give us a good excuse to talk about like stuff that we love currently that it like exists. Um, yeah. in, in like by retheming it or plussing it up or whatever it is we're going to be doing. So. Um, I, I look forward to that in the future as well, hopefully. 
Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think focus is key. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, Brian, any closing thoughts for you? No, I'm I'm just real excited to get this started. Heck yeah, heck yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with our Star Wars Second Gate episode. Bye, everybody. Theme Park This is on the internet. You can find us on Twitter at Theme Park This. We have a listener group set up on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Theme Park This. Join that conversation. See you there. <laughs>